Welcome to the Healing Trauma as a Christian Mama podcast. We are your trauma mamas. My name is Danielle Elizabeth. And my name is Kelsey. And here we want to be a safe space to look at what it's like to be a Christian woman healing trauma. We want to integrate our Christian faith with psychology and trauma modalities while giving you tools and skills to support your growth and healing. If this episode today about the nervous system piques your interest and you want to learn more, join the Healing Academy today to access workshops and courses that will help you grow in your understanding of your own nervous system and how to find healing. Okay, so we are going to go into the last trauma response or nervous system state, and that is called fawn. So very popular and talked about are the fight, flight, freeze. And this fawn one does not get talked about a lot. It's starting to, but not as much. And I honestly think that it is so much more common than people realize. And as we get into it, um, you might even see a lot of these like um, traits or responses in yourself. So we'll do the same thing. We're going to go through them like in the sense of looking what it looks like for an adult, what it looks like in relationships um, as a parent, and even what it will, how it will show up in your kids. So the fawn response, okay? I read this, um, I read this description of it and I felt like it was a perfect description of how to start it off. So it's a maladaptive way of creating safety in connections with others by essentially mirroring the imaged expectations and desires of other people. So basically the fawn response is like people pleasing. That would be the biggest um, way to identify this response. So people pleasing, um, codependent, codependency, and both of those things are exactly what that description was saying in the sense of it is trying to figure out what is going to keep you safe in connection with other people, what other people need, and how can I change myself to meet their needs so that I stay either safe or connected or attached or, you know, just like avoid conflict, all of these things. So you might see yourself being like overly polite or a really, really have a hard time saying no, um, hyper aware on other needs of other people. Um, you end up with a lack of identity. So all of a sudden you kind of wake up one day and this is what happened to me. You wake up one day and literally don't know who you are because you have been kind of mirroring, modeling, chameleon, chameleoning, <laughs> that's not a verb, but um, becoming a chameleon to all these other people. And then all of a sudden you've lost yourself. Okay. And a huge part of this also is that your value becomes based on helping. It's really hard to then not be needed because you have found this sense of worth in helping other people, in being needed by other people. So what does this look like in a relationship? In relationships, it is never having your own opinion, um, abandoning your own needs for the other person. And this is why um, addicts get very drawn to people who are codependent and people please because they 
they have these, this person who's going to put what they need above above themselves and the and so the other person who's not in the fawn response is actually always getting their needs met and it really it sets up this this imbalance um and that's why you see so many like codependents with people that struggle with addictions because that codependent person who really is operating in, in a fawn response is like is doing whatever they can do to help the addict to put the addict's needs first to go out of their way to um, support them and the person who's struggling in addiction is you know being almost catered to and and has this person with this like unlimited supply who is um and again you see this also in like narcissistic relationships and toxic relationships because um this imbalance of you know whose needs are being met is you know really benefits the other person who is not operating in that and it could be operating in a you know in a fight response and also so being aggressive to that person which is just putting them more into a fawn response if that makes sense if i said that right um the other piece of this is that they serve and meet the need of the other person to avoid conflict. So fawn response is does a, a lot of their operating motive is to avoid conflict and avoid problems. So they appease these other people, other people to avoid that conflict. And they just try and show up in a way that makes other people happy but not necessarily themselves. So they really are abandoning themselves like over and over and over. Um, and they also can feel guilty about when they are upset with someone else. So like, let's say like they are in a relationship with someone who is abusing their, you know, their desire to help people or they are, um, you know, with someone who is, um, is being toxic to them. Um, it is interesting because a person from the fawn response will actually feel guilty about being upset about at this person or about what's happening. Um, and another key indicator of this is feeling responsible for the other person, for other person, especially the partner's reactions or emotions. So if you are operating in a way that is based on, um, you know, controlling someone else's emotions and i say that in the way of like you don't do something because it's going to upset this other person and like okay and it, it would it could turn into like um i'm not going to do that because it will upset my partner who will then lash out at me so i'm going to operate in a way and you end up just walking on eggshells is what happens um but this is it's almost like a from that fond response, you feel like you can control another person's emotions or um, are responsible for them. So if that other person, that toxic person gets upset, um, you feel responsible for fixing that for them. So pe people from the fond response are big fixers. Okay. We're and that's such a hallmark of the codependency and the people pleasing and and all of that like we're we we fix things we fix other people's emotions we take on other people's emotions and a huge part of healing is being able to give back to that other person what is rightfully theirs so it's like i can be empathetic to someone's like reactions and emotions and if someone gets upset i can be empathetic to that but i'm i'm not going to take on their 
their reactions it's it's just not our place but the the lines become so blurred when you live stuck in this fun response especially um and you have someone else who kind of is benefiting from that so they're not going to be like oh yeah no you should like really put boundaries in and really like um you know make me responsible and accountable for my own reactions and behavior. Cause a lot of times those people are toxic and they like that you do not do that. Right. Like they benefit from that. So what does this look like as a parent? So it could look like really struggling to put rules in being walked all over from like your kids, um, feeling the need to fix and rescue your kids. So really struggling with that, like a meshment piece and, and seeing your child as like, you know, a completely different individual that has to make their own decisions and, 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 and reap the consequences of those decisions. Um, someone in the fun response would really struggle with that because they would want to fix and rescue. And especially as a mom, like this is really, really, really hard. Cause there's this like instinct in every mom, I think that like wants to avoid that for their kids. Right. So it's like when you're in the fun response, it's just so that's, it's just so powerful that feeling um it can feel like needing to control every aspect of everything in your house in your in your kids and stuff um a big hallmark is that is like where you give and you give and you give and then you get burnt out so like you just can because such a hallmark of the fun response is you know abandoning your own needs and it's so natural to do that with your kids especially when you have young kids who are literally dependent on you so there's an element of that that's like that's normal and as a mom right but it becomes so intensified when you're stuck in the fawn response um and you like you you just never put yourself first you never you know self-care putting giving yourself your own time recharging yourself like these are just very foreign things to you because um you are just pouring, 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 pouring out, but then you get burnt out. Um, and another like kind of piece of this would be like, cause you're really trying to like, like I said, this person's really trying to avoid conflict. So a kid tantruming, it's like, you're going to be way more likely to just give in and give them what they want. If they are having this tantrum, especially if they're in public and you feel like, Oh my gosh, all these other people are judging me or I'm making such a scene here. Um, you're going to like kind of give the kid the toy or whatever they wanted in the store because you are just like literally cannot handle the the tantrum that's happening um and 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 it just feels like conflict um even though it's not the same type of conflict as it would be in a relationship that if to our nervous system that doesn't matter so then what does that look like from a kid's perspective what how is this going to show up so this is like the hallmark of what a good kid looks like okay a kid that never pushes back never questions your authority never um And it's funny because that sounds so positive. Like our culture, I think honestly, when you, like my generation was raised by parents who it's like, that was like the epitome of like what good kids and good parenting looked like. Kids that didn't talk back, that didn't question, that didn't fight back, that just did everything that you said and appeased you. And that is like breeding ground for this, this response. Um, especially if you, if you have a parent who like yells a lot or freaks out a lot or is very toxic or even a narcissistic parent, like the child learns that to stay safe and for kids, 
like attachment and connection is like a lifeline for them. Like they do not, cannot survive without it. So they learn very quickly how to stay connected. And a lot of times that comes, the, that fond response will become like their go-to because they're like, if I can appease this parent by just being good or doing everything that they say, then I stay safe. I stay connected. Um, I follow, there's this girl, you should go follow her if you're a parent. She's amazing. Um, she calls them her, she has these glasses and she calls them perspectacles. And I think to her, um, I think her whole like business and handles on social media, social media are like, um, parenting with perspectacles. Um, and she talks about how if your kid never fights back, never argues with you, never like, never questions you, never says no to you. Like she's like, that is such a red flag. Um, and so it's interesting. I have one kid. I've, I have one, I have four kids and I have one that she has learned because her older sister is, lives in the fight response. And so she's always lashing out and kicking and screaming and crying and getting in trouble. And my second daughter has learned, and I have started to notice this as I've learned all this stuff. She has learned if I just don't do that, I don't do what my older sister is doing. I don't get in trouble the same. I don't get yelled at the same. I don't like the, that, the all the ramifications that she and consequences she gets from her her reaction. If I just don't do that and I stay quiet and I stay happy and I appease my mom when she's upset and I'm just him really helpful, then I stay safe. I stay connected. And it's hard as a mom because you're like, it's so that child is so much easier because they are just like not causing problems. They are like, they're just, they're being helpful. And I see this in my daughter and I try and say to her all the time, like, you know, it is so helpful. I love it when you help me. I love when you're helpful with your siblings and stuff, but your worth is not based on you being helpful. If you were not helpful, you would still be loved and valued and accepted because what this teaches our kids is that like my worth is based on this. Like this is what gets me love and appreciation and, and, and value to my family. And so, um, they learn how to not upset the parents. And that is just like the breeding ground for people pleasing codependency. And all of that is this fond response. Um, and another piece of this is like a kid that is like parentified, they call it. So like really acts like a child. So, or sorry, acts like the parent. So, um, a lot of times talk or like dysfunctional families, children will get responsibilities put on them that are beyond their, what they are, what they deserve as kids, right? They don't have a childhood because they're like acting like the parent and there are families where this gets really intense in the sense like the kid is actually like, you know, maybe cooking and cleaning and maybe getting a job, like all these things and not having the childhood. Um, but I think there's this element of it that like as a kid is operating in their fond response, they naturally kind of go to that like place because they probably see that they are needed and that they are helpful. And again, breeding ground, that's just the breeding ground for all of these problems. And I've heard it so many times and I very much stand behind this too. A people pleaser started as a parent pleaser. So 
it's like if you struggle with all of this stuff, if you struggle with not being able to put boundaries in and being codependent and abandoning yourself and, you know, really hyper aware of other people's needs, if you struggle with that, you probably started that learning that in your house growing up. And then if you're a mom and you're starting to see this in your kids, it's like this big moment for you to recognize, like, is that what's going on here? Is my kid who's like my quote unquote good kid, my kid who never causes problems, all of this stuff, is there more going on here? And can I, um, can I like intervene now to help them in this area so that they don't become adults who can't speak up for themselves. So what to do with all of this? This one's a harder one. It's not as it's the other ones are very much about what are some regulating things that you can do, right? Like, can you do cold water exposure? Can you do breathing exercises? Can you do like, you know, is there some regulating up or regulating down behaviors, um, strategies and tools that we can implement? And those are helpful here. But there, this one, I really feel like there's a more of a need for a sense of like um, environmental safety, like a safety from your like um, body and mind's perspective um, to be able to, you know, change this because you can do breathing exercises, but that's not going to help you put boundaries in, right? So this one, I feel like it needs kind of some different strategies, learning how to speak up for yourself, learning how to say no. And I think that really comes from doing it. Like there's this action piece with this one that is different um, from the other ones. Like you're not going to go from this codependent people pleasing to just like boundarying up putting boundaries up everywhere and saying no to everyone and speaking your voice and all of this stuff in a night. Some of this is very much fueled by like unhealed trauma um, and unhealed wounds that are like playing into the fact that like you are operating in this codependent place because um, I worked with a therapist who kind of like specialized in codependency and the healing from codependency is like, it's its own kind of category of, of things because there's other things fueling that. So um, it's just, this one is not as easy to just like breathe your way out of or regulate your way out of, but it's still very, very possible to be able to like support yourself in this area. So it's like using small areas to say no to something or using like, rather than saying no outright, using like a buffer in as you're learning to stand up for yourself, right? So like if someone asks you to do something that you really don't want to do, your natural tendency might be to just abandon yourself, take more on for your plate, burn yourself out. And you could be like, rather than being like, no, I can't do that because that seems way too hard. Um, saying like, you know, I'll have to think about that or having some buffer statement that is going to help you be able to kind of put a stop to it as you're learning to really say, no, I can't do that because it's just not in the best interest of myself or my life or my family right now. Um, I mean, I could go on and on about a lot of different things that I just feel like we'd be here forever. And maybe we'll have to do like a whole episode on this. But I think there is 
this element of needing to learn how to put yourself first, which is especially coming from a Christian perspective, that's really hard because we're kind of taught for our whole life, like, you know, deny yourself, deny yourself. And there is that element of it, but I really don't believe that statement means, you know, put everyone else's needs first to burn yourself out, lose yourself and, you know, be just trying to pour from an empty cup your entire in every area of your life and then completely fall apart. I think there is a appropriate um, element or time to um, have that self-care, to be taking care of yourself, to putting your own needs first. Um, You know, there's a huge saying like you can't pour from an empty cup and it's so true. And, and we can be going to Jesus to like fill that cup absolutely he is the one who's going to fill that in such a sustainable way and there's so many other options here on earth that are actually um you know they might help in them in the moment to make you feel filled up but they're just not lasting and so this is an area i truly believe that our faith and you know our the secular world can 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 work together and they don't have to contradict each other we can still, you know, deny ourselves and be obedient to what God's asking us to do and take care of ourselves and have self-care and, you know, pour into ourselves. And there's nothing wrong with that. We're not as, as long as you don't go to a place where you, that becomes an idol that becomes, you know, it becomes all about you and, and, and you are, you push God out of this, out of the situation. Um, and so, Anyways, I don't want to go on and on and on because I think that this one just there it's so specific to a, each person. Each person has their own experiences and traumas and unhealed wounds that I I truly do believe are playing into this um area um that require more of like a one-on-one support to really dive in and dig into like what is how this is and why this is showing up in your life and are there areas that need to be healed that you could heal so that you have more of the confidence and self-esteem to like actually like put your needs first and say what you need and show up in this world with um you know a an ability to speak your voice an ability to like actually say this is what i need and not worry about the other people's in your life's responses or reactions to that. Um, so again, it just takes, I think this one um, takes a lot more personal support, which if you are looking for, please reach out. I definitely have options for every different situation and budget to support you in that. Um, but I don't want to overgeneralize something like this. And then you try something and it doesn't work and you feel like there is a fault on you or your ability to heal. And that's just not the case. This one is just, um, you know, it, it runs deep. We, we cut, we have acted in this way for so long. It's like the neural pathways are just created. They are there. And it's just not something that you're going to kind of just one day wake up and be like, okay, I'm just going to say no to every person in my life, (laughs) or I'm not going to care about the other person's needs. Like it is so, I I struggle. I, uh, this is like such a 
hits home for my own life and experience. And it is not just as easy to say, I'm just not going to care about like, you know, other people's reactions, or I'm just not going to care that, um, you know, me putting my own needs first upset someone because it, it literally it eats away at us. It's, it's really, really hard. It's just not, it takes a lot of practice, a lot of healing and a lot of um, like intentionality to be able to like overcome this. So I hope that doesn't, I hope that still gives you hope to know that this is like absolutely possible to heal and work on. But sometimes, not all the time, I don't think, but sometimes this just runs so deep that there's wounds that need to be healed so that you can like overcome and override this response. Okay. So I hope you guys have a great day and I hope this series was helpful. And again, always reach out if you need help. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We always leave it on the same note, asking you this very important question. Do you have the support you need in your healing process? If the answer is no, reach out to anyone, including us, because it is a lie that you need to stay stuck. Healing is available and possible for you. Have a great week.